All right, I, I want to start today by asking you a question. Let me ask it and let it just soak in for a while. We've been going through a lot of challenging times. We are at some place in those challenging times. Some may say we're seeing in the tunnel. We'll see. But I'm going to ask you this question. What right now, right now, what is your biggest challenge? Right now, what is your biggest challenge? You know, it's a privilege for me to, to stand up here. It's a privilege for me to open God's word. But I always know that when I'm standing up here, I am standing before and able to teach scripture to the movers and shakers in Pittsburgh, right? Movers and shakers in Pittsburgh. You guys are leading businesses. You're leading people. You're doing a lot of things. And so my question is, as we look at God's word tonight, what is your biggest challenge? What is holding you down or holding you back? I just want you to answer that in your heart. What's holding you down? What's holding you back? What, what obstacles seems to be in the way of where you are right now and, and where you want to go? I, I went to the dentist this past week, just a regular checkup, and, uh, and uh, my teeth are fine, by the way, just in case anyone was wanting to know. And, and, the, and, and, and the people in there said this. They said there's a dental epidemic going on. Anyone heard this? It was written up in the New York Times. There's a dental epidemic. They are seeing several cases a week of what? Cracked teeth from stress. I said, you can crack your teeth from stress. And they said, yeah, just, chunk, just grinding your teeth. Loneliness is one of the issues that we're going through. So I'm going to talk about some of these things this evening, but here's what I want to do today as we look at these, whether it's, whether it's emotional one, whether it is, whether it's economic, whether it's spiritual, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to take away today. All right. God is fully capable of delivering you from whatever is holding you down and holding you back. You believe that? Whatever you say, loneliness, challenges, relationships, fear, doubt, God is fully capable of delivering you whatever from whatever is holding you down and holding you in. Now, that's, that's not positive talk. I want to show you from Scripture the truth of that. Take your Bibles and open to Exodus as we continue working our way through Scripture. And, and let me set the context for our passage today. Genesis chapter 12 and 15, God promised Abraham that the nations of the world would be blessed through him. He repeated that promise to Abraham's son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob. Jacob, as you know, his name later was changed to Israel. And Jacob had 12 sons and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. One of Jacob's son was a man named Joseph. <clears throat> we saw last time <clears throat> how God orchestrated Joseph's life and placed him in uh, second in command of Egypt. And, and through Joseph's leadership, Egypt was protected during seven years of famine. Seven years of famine. During that time, Joseph's dad and brothers and their families moved into Egypt 
to, in order to get food, and they ended up staying there. So when we open Exodus chapter 1, look at verse 5, and the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons, 66 had come. Joseph and his family made 70, 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt, and then Joseph died, and all of his brothers in that generation, but the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly, and they multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. Now, it's interesting because earlier in Egypt's history, they had had some trouble with foreigners moving in and kind of taking over. And so they're a little bit gun shy of this group of people who are being fruitful and multiplying, and the land is full of them. And now verse 8, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph, and he said to the people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. We don't know who that king was. We, we, it was sometime between 100 and 200 years after Joseph had died. It may have been this guy, a guy named Amos. It may have been this guy, a guy named Aminophis. It may have been this guy, Thutmos. We don't know who it was. But one of those kings in between 100 and 200 years after Joseph died was threatened by the population issue of Egypt. And so he says in verse 12, but the more, so he oppressed them, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves. As they worked as slaves, they continued to increase. So ultimately, the king told the people, the Israelites, to throw the baby boys in the Nile River so they would drown. One family did that, but they put the little boy in a basket. Pharaoh's daughter found the little boy and drew him out and called him Moses. That's the Hebrew word that means draw out. And Moses, this Israelite, this Hebrew boy, was raised as royalty and educated in the best schools of the land. But he never forgot his roots. And one day, when he was 40 years old, he killed an Egyptian for mistreating an Israelite. The murder forced Moses to run for his life, ended up in a country called Midian, where he worked as a shepherd for the next 40 years. And during those 40 years, Moses married and had two sons. And the, the name of his sons give us a little idea of what is going on in Moses' life. The first son he calls Gershom, and that means an alien there. Moses said, I'm, an, I'm here in Midian. I'm an alien here. This is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm a foreigner in the land. And then the next son was Eliezer, meaning God, my helper. My God is helper. So Moses began to understand that he had to depend on 40 years, four decades, working as a shepherd for Jethro, his father-in-law, 40 years. Now it's time for action. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, 
why the the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And then God said, do not come near, take off your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. And he said to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face and he was afraid to look on God. It was there from that burning bush that God said, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh back where you were trained, back where you grew up 40 years ago. And I want you to go right before Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Deliver them from slavery in Egypt. And Moses said, God, I don't know why you've waited so long. It's about time, right? Not quite. Moses was filled with excuses why he couldn't go, just like sometimes we are filled with excuses when God's calling us to something big, greater than us. The first excuse, and I'll just go through these quickly. See if you can relate to these. In chapter 3, verse 12, Moses said, who am I? I'm not worthy. Been a long time, God, since I was in Egypt. I'm just not worthy to go. You ever felt like that when God's calling you to do something? Ah, God, with my past, Are you serious? I know people today held back and held down because of something they've done in their past. And when God calls them to something great, they say, no, I don't think I'm worthy to do that. God reminded Moses, I got your back. When I'm with you, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will make sure that what I call you to do, I'll give you everything you need, Moses, I am worthy is not an excuse. So Moses came up with another one. He said, okay, I'm not worthy, but God, I don't think you can pull it off. Pharaoh? Getting the people out of there? Who am I going to say even sent me? And God gave his five-word resume. You know what that is? I am that I am. You just tell him I am sent. I am is the word, the name of God in English, Yahweh, the to be verb. I am self-existent. I am all-powerful. All you have to say is, I am sent you. Third excuse, Moses said, yeah, but what will people say? What will people say? You ever had that excuse? I don't know. What might my family say? What will others say? I, I know you're calling me to something, but, but I'm not sure others will, will, will agree with it, will support me with it. Don't think I'm crazy. So God demonstrated his power to Moses to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what people say. It only matters when I'm with you. And then Moses said in chapter 4, verse 10, I just don't have what it takes. I I just don't have the gifts that I need to do this. And I know you're calling me to something really cool. And I I want to do that. You put this desire in my heart, this passion in my heart. But I don't think I got the gifts. 
I, I am a slow of speech. That's an interesting phrase Moses has used because in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, Moses uh, was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Some commentators say that Moses stuttered, but Acts says, no, he was powerful in spe speech and action. Most people agree that when he says, I'm slow of spe slow speech, he said, I'm a little rusty. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been back to Egypt for 40 years. I maybe just be a little rusty. God doesn't take that as an excuse. He says, you know what? If I need to, I'll send somebody else with you. I'll send Aaron to speak for you. And then Moses finally gets to the crux of the matter. You know what the last excuse is? I don't want to go. I don't want to go. You ever been there? God's calling you to do something. And at the end of the day, you just say, okay, I'll try this excuse and that. But the end, but the end of the day, I just don't want to, to do it. From this passage, we learn that God is fully capable of delivering you from whatever is holding you down or holding you back, even all your excuses. He's calling you to do great things for him. He's got a great adventure for you. He has for you things you've never dreamed of doing, exciting things, things that will make an impact for the kingdom. And you know, sometimes those things are hard. And sometimes we think of, of grandiose things, but let me give you a few things that God is calling you to do that are great. Singles and young people, he's calling you to stay pure until marriage, even when a world says, are you serious? What antiquated stuff can you come up with? No one does that today. He's calling you to stay in your marriage and commit to your spouse, even when it's hard. Today, we did the funeral of a guy 92 years old, Wally Getty. He and his wife have been married for 65 years. Through the ups and downs to all the challenges, they said till death do us part, 65 years. Maybe he's asking you to raise your children to love Jesus. We like to raise our children to be the next professional athlete, right? But how about raising them to love Jesus, which means you got to really show them how to love Jesus. Integrity on the job. Confidence in a world of fear. People are cracking their teeth due to stress, guys. And we get to show them, here's what it looks like. When you follow hard after God, you don't have to fear. You don't have to dread. You don't have to worry. Maybe he's calling you to get your finances in order. Maybe he's, you know what? Maybe he's calling you to turn off the moot button, the mute button in, in your spiritual life and finally speak out for Jesus. Instead of talking about politics all the time, wouldn't it be nice just to speak out for Jesus? You see, God is fully capable of delivering you from whatever's holding you back, whatever's holding you down, even 
your excuses. You know, excuses at the end of the day are really just an expression of our doubts and fears and insecurity. And God is fully capable of delivering you from whatever it takes that's holding you back and holding you down. So God led Moses back into Egypt, caused 10 plagues to come over the land of Egypt, demonstrated his power and delivered the children out of slavery. They had God's presence before them as they were going. God went before them by day as a pillar of fire or a cloud, rather, a cloud and, and a pillar of fire by night. So whenever, wherever they were, night or day, they saw God's presence right with them. And then one day, they woke up to see something they did not want to see. Egypt had mustered an army with horses and fighting men and 600 chariots, and they were after the Israelites. Now, the Israelites at this point had 2 million people. You don't go fast with 2 million people, do you? 2 million people. The Israelites, they could see the dust kicking up in the background. And before them was what? The Red Sea, right? They were literally between a rock and a hard place. And they cried out to God and they said, God, why did you bring us here? Let's surrender to the Egyptians and at least we won't die here in the desert. It'd be better to return to slavery to die here. Boy, fear causes us to forget what God just did. And fear always causes us to want to surrender, doesn't it? One of my favorite passages in all of scripture, Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have, you only, and you have only to be silent. Leave that up. Let's read that again. Let's read that together. Ready? Ready? The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. That word silent, you know what it means? It means stop panicking. God will fight for you. Just Stay calm. Don't fear. Don't worry. Don't let doubt take over. Don't worry about uncertainty. God will fight for you. Just stay calm. And God demonstrated his power. One, by stopping the Egyptian army and then opening the Red Sea and kept the Egyptian army at bay while the children of Israel walked through on dry ground. See, God is fully capable of delivering you from whatever's holding you down and whatever's holding you back, even your biggest obstacle. So what is it? What, what's holding you back? Fear? Guilt? Talk with the guy this week. Something happened in his past long ago. Some great things is happening now, but he says, I can't get over the guilt Regret, worry, anxiety, uncertainty, pride, what will other people think 
if I really get serious about following God, trying to fit in, God can handle your biggest obstacle. Look at chapter 14, verse 15. Remember in verse 14, God says, the Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. Moses says that about God, right? Right? Now look at verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. So there we see that being silent and remaining calm doesn't mean we stand still. How many times have you heard people say, I can't wait until we get back to what? Normal. When are we going to get back to, say it, normal? Do you know when we're going to get back to normal? Never. (laughs) We're never going to get back to normal. The future will never be like the past. Every day is new. Your mercies are new every morning, Lamentations. Great is your faithfulness. We're never going to get back to normal. I have people say, can't, what, what, what's it going to be when we, when, when can we at the Bible shop but just get back to doing what we used to do? Never. It's all new. The great theologian, J.I. Packer, just died in July. He was in his 90s. When he was 88, he wrote this book, a little book called Finishing Our Course with Joy. And in the book, Packer addresses people who always want to go back to the good old days. Listen to what he says. Daydreaming and indulgence of nostalgia are unhappy habits, making for unrealism and discontent. Like all bad habits, they tighten our grip on us. They tighten our grip on us until we set ourselves against them and with God's help, break them. Elderly retirees are prone to find that a disciplined breaking of them is an increasingly necessary task in life's last lap in which steady looking ahead at each present moment becomes a bigger and bigger factor in our inner spiritual health. That's good stuff. Think about that. Daydreaming and indulgence in the past are unhappy habits. We do not go back to the good old days. We always move with Christ. What? Forward. And that takes a steady looking ahead at each present moment because a bigger and bigger factor that becomes a bigger and bigger factor in our spiritual health. By the way, that's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, right? That's in the past. I can't do anything about that. And straining forward to what lays ahead, lies ahead. I press on toward the what? The goal of, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says this, let those who are what? Mature think this way. Let those who are mature think this way. Keep moving ahead. God is fully capable 
of delivering you from whatever is holding you back and whatever is holding you down. So back to my first question, what is it? What's holding you back? Do you know why I can say God is fully capable? With confidence? Why can we say that? How, what makes that move from a, a truth to a truth from just a nice positive talk? Because that's positive, right? God, God can help you move ahead, right? How can we know that for sure? Because of Jesus. Because God has already given us the greatest thing we need. He's already given us Jesus. He's already established our eternity. He's already said, I got you, I got you for eternity. And so Roman tells us, if God loved us so much that he would deliver his son up for us, if he did that for us, how will he not also, along with Jesus, give us what? All the things that we need. See, this isn't some pie in the sky, positive talk. We have this in Jesus. He gives us everything we need to do what God's calling us to do. We don't have excuses. We don't have to be held back. We can move forward without fear, without doubt, and demonstrate to a watching world that there is a difference in us, not because of who we are, but because of what Jesus has done for us. We're going to sing a song. I want you to listen to these words and then the worship team will invite us to come into the song at some point. Man, it describes who we are there. I was empty-handed. You guys feel like that? I do sometimes, right? <laughs> there I am, empty-handed, crying out from the pit of my despair. That's what the Israelites did. God, what are you doing? There you were in the shadows, holding out your hand. You met me there. And now, where would I be without you? You were the voice in the desert, calling me out of the dead of night, fighting my battles for me. God is fighting your battles for you. And then I love this part, you are my rescue story. You believe that? You are my rescue story. I want you to think about that first question, what's holding you down, what's holding you back, what's challenging you? And then let God speak to you through this song through his word, no excuses, no obstacles. God is your rescue story. Lord, remind us now that you will rescue us and you'll move us ahead and you'll take care of the obstacles and we have no excuses because excuses are just the summary of our fears and doubt and uncertainty and with you, we don't have to fear. You are our rescue story. Thank you. In Jesus' name.